Welcome one and all to episode 153 of the original Draft Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Cox. With me tonight, my co-host, Justin Higdon. And Justin, no more guests, just just you and I giving our top five rankings in this draft class for, well, four more positions. Two tonight on the free show, two more to, two more this weekend on the Patreon um, if you're not a member of the Patreon, I recommend that you subscribe to that now as we head into the final week of the 2022 NFL draft season. Um, we're going to do a Patreon show after the first round of the draft, kind of talk about some things. Um, but, you know, we've got a lot of great content and information on there. Just two bucks a month for the extra show, four bucks a month, you'll get all of Justin's big board, all of his uh, rankings and things of that nature. But Justin, how are you doing, man? Doing good. It's uh, crunch time right now. And I just, right before we started taping, I just finished up my uh, top 155 rankings. So I'm going to post those position by position. Um, those are going to be on the on the generational tier on the Patreon. I'm also going to post an actual like vertical big board, which is where I whittle down my top 155 rankings, taking out the guys that have certain flags and whittling it down to what I think is kind of more in, uh, indicative of what a team would do on on draft weekend. I even have a third board that's whittled down even farther um, that where I try to make it even safer bets. So all that stuff's going to be going up on the $4 tier on Patreon over the weekend and should be up and, uh, and at it by no later than early next week with all of those things posted. So um, we've got receivers and tight ends on this show. Like you said, Seth, uh, defensive line and defensive ends on Patreon this week. And that'll wrap it up. We've done our, our top five in a show of some form, either on the iTunes feed or on Patreon. So check that out. Subscribe. Two bucks will get you those shows. And uh, yeah, let's go. Let's go with, uh, let's start out with the uh, tight ends since that's kind of not as exciting. <laughs> yeah. I, I even complained that we had to come up with five. Um, <laughs> and we'll start with the number one and kind of work our way down. I'm, I'm going to go chalk on this one, go with Trey McBride. Um, the high end comparisons of George Kittle, I'm not going to get completely on board with. Um, I, I think he's a very talented player. I think he's going to be a very good NFL player. Um, I'm just not going to, you know, I'm not going to go that high, um, with that, but he's a guy that showed to be physical at the senior bowl showed that he can compete and he's he's a guy that obviously can catch the ball well we saw that um you know while he was at Colorado State and and that's you know something that's something that the NFL needs more than ever are guys that can make plays with the ball in their hands you know it'll be interesting to see where McBride goes because if you buy into the if you buy into the Kittle comps, and, and again I'm not saying I do, how high would you take George Kittle? Well, you would take George Kittle in the first round, but you 
Trey McBride would have to be more athletic to be George Kittle. So it, it doesn't really, that doesn't really work for me uh, from a comp standpoint. But of course, Kittle was a fifth round pick because he wasn't a really productive performer in the Big Ten at Iowa, whereas McBride was extremely productive. He was our tight end of the year in on uh, when we handed out our first annual awards back in December, I think. But a lot of that production comes from there not really being any other viable targets on that Colorado State offense. And I'm not sure how much of that production can be replicated at the NFL level. The thing about McBride, too, is he came in a little bit smaller than what he was listed at. He was listed at, at like 6'5", 260. And then he checked in at the Senior Bowl more of like an H-back size, just under 6'4", and in the 240s. So you see a lot of, of really uh, powerful blocks from Trey McBride on the Colorado State tape. But how much is he going to be able to emulate that when he gets into the NFL and he's facing much bigger players? So I think there's there are a few questions. I, I have uh, – I'll get – I'll circle back to McBride, but I have him – I don't have any tight end with a day one or with a first or second round grade. So I'm kind of – I'm starting at uh, with the third round when I'm talking about tight ends. Yeah, and, you know, when people ask, and, and I know this is what people want to hear, so, like, my range of outcomes for McBride are going to range from, like, uh, you know, a guy like a, like a, probably like a Jake Butt who, you know, hasn't been healthy much. Um, so you could probably find a, a more – I know people probably don't know this name, but, like, a Jim Dre – who played in Arizona has been around in the NFL. I think he played in Cleveland too, right? He's been around in the NFL for a while. Um, and I think his high end outcome is closer to like Pat Fryermuth, Which wouldn't be bad at all. No, no. And that's what I'm saying. Like, and, and if he goes in the same range as Fryermuth, I think it's a, I think it's a fair, you know, comparison. So who's I'm your number. Who's your number one? Yeah, I, I did not go chalk. And in fact, I'm not going to – McBride's not going to show up in my top five. And I don't know if that's a hot take or not, but, um, like, I think he's I think he's okay as a prospect. I just don't think he's a dynamic prospect. And coming out of the group of five, I just um, – it's not that I, that I don't like him at all. It's just that I like these other guys better. And, and I think there's some really good it, – it's probably going to show up some Big Ten bias for me. But my number one tight end is not going to be a Big Ten guy. It's a Big 12 guy, and it's uh, Charlie Kohler from Iowa State. And I think this guy has really gotten a bad rap because he's the most productive tight end he got overall burned. like in this class coming out of a Power 5 school. Yeah, he, and he, de- he definitely got purdied in this final year. <laughs> but he's he's a record holder at Iowa State. He owns every tight end record. He tested above average across the board, which is not something you could say really about any of the other tight ends I looked at other than uh, Jelani Woods, who's just outside my top five. But, you know, 4.6240, I think people were surprised by that. He also tested very well in the in the uh, agility drills and in the in the jumps. I think he's more explosive 
than people think. He's also almost six foot seven. He's a huge target with huge hands and long arms. And just he's he's a that rebounder type of tight end. I think he's gonna be a big time red zone threat. I think he's he's an established blocker. They do a lot of running at Iowa State. So this is a, a guy I think is well rounded. He can fit right in and he can start early in his career, which you don't see a lot from tight ends. You see tight ends historically kind of struggle to get their footing in the NFL and take a while to, to develop. So I think Kohler is more of a plug and play than any of these other guys that we'll talk about tonight. My number two is going to be your boy, Jeremy Ruckert. Uh, when you look at Ruckert, you know, he wasn't utilized much in the passing game. And I think he's been unfairly penalized for that. Um, you know, I think he's got good hands. He only had two drops in his career um, at Ohio State. Size is there, six five and a half, a little over two fifty. Um, you know, when you look at Rucker, I see a guy in in the mold of like a like a Tyler Higby. Um, when he came out, I think believe Western Kentucky, um, and and a guy that can be a very valuable two way tight end in the NFL. Uh, you know, I'm not calling him a guy that's going to be. Um, a all pro or even a pro bowler, but he's a guy that can probably come in and, and uh, be a top 10 tight end in, in the league, which is, you know, for, which is important, you know, uh, Higby, I believe signed a, what did he sign a four year, $29 million contract um, a couple of years ago. So, I mean, he's a guy that's, and he went in the fourth round, so I think I think I think Rucker gets like a, I that Ohio State bump into the third round, but I think he can have a similar type of uh, career arc. I like Rucker. Um, I think he's a better blocker than some of the clips that some people have tweeted, and uh, he will be on my he will be in my top five list. Uh, so maybe that's a little bit of an Ohio State homer take, but. He does get in uh, to the top five. I forgot to give you my comp on Kohler. He comps very favorably to Tyler Eifert coming out of uh, Notre Dame back in the day. So I think that's one of the things that drew me to Kohler. I think you've got the big target, uh, good good receiving ability, adequate blocker. My number two, I'm sticking with the receiving theme. You know, And Jeremy Ruckert didn't have a ton of opportunities at Ohio state, not like these other guys did, but I like uh, Greg Dulcich from UCLA as my number two. He comps out to uh, Dalton Schultz, another PAC 12 tight end who had a really good year for Dallas this past season. Uh, Very good. Athletically had a great senior bowl. Uh, Talk about a Higby comp. He kind of has the Higby look with the long hair coming out of the, out of his helmet uh, Dulcich, I think he led the Pac-12 in yards per catch in 2020, over 19 yards per catch, which is phenomenal for a tight end. He's got good, not great speed, ran a 4.7, but that's plenty of speed for a tight end. And uh, I just really like the receiving ability there. He's another guy like McBride. He's kind of that in that H-back size, but I just think he proved himself – against tougher competition. I thought he looked better at the senior bowl. So he gets a bump. He also did better at the combine. 
I was going to say, he had a good broad jump and a good three cone. I'm not sure how that translates in the NFL. He's also got a really long wingspan, even though he is, you know, and, and I use this term loosely, only 6'4". Yeah, I think the broad jump is a a good test that doesn't get a lot of hype, but it does show l- lower body strength and explosiveness. Um, you're When you are running, you are, you know, you're hurtling yourself forward with that forward momentum. So I, I like the broad jump as a test of explosiveness better than the vertical jump because the vertical jump, as we've seen, let's say, for example, with these taller receivers like T. Higgins, he doesn't have a great vertical jump. But he has he's six four and he has long arms. So does it matter that he only had a thirty one or thirty two inch vertical? It's not as important. But when you talk about that lower body explosiveness, it's uh you know it's gonna help get out of your help you get out of your brakes quicker, help you get into your route quicker, and then you combine that with the good agility, and it makes you tougher to cover. So I think that's one of the reasons why I like to to look at that broad jump, especially when you're talking about offensive skill players or defensive backs and, and defensive ends, which we'll talk about later this week. Who is your number three? So that would be Rockert. Um, he's really young. He's He hasn't turned 22 yet. He will in August. And he was a four-year senior, so he played every year. Uh, he came in right away as a freshman and got some playing time. Over the years, they did find him for some touchdowns. He was a pretty good red zone threat when they needed him. They didn't need him a ton in the receiving game because they had so many dynamic receivers. So you see see a, a bit of a mixed bag from Ruckert as a blocker, but I think there's more positives and negatives there. And like you said, he's a big guy, 6'5", 250. That's what you want in a tight end. He's a strong. He's got a strong upper body. He would have tested well, but he's been banged up during the draft season. I think he got nicked during the Senior Bowl, so he wasn't able to to test at the combine or his pro day. I think that's got to be a concern. And if push came to shove, I'm probably shying away from him uh, if he's not fully healthy before the draft. So I'm probably looking at some of these other guys first, but um. If he tested, he would have been he would have tested similarly to Hawkinson. Now Hawkinson showed you more on tape as a receiver, and that's why he's going to go. That's why he went probably a couple rounds higher than where Ruckert's going to go. But I do think Ruckert's going to go in the third or fourth round. Fourth round's his floor, and um, I think he's a better blocker than some of the people who didn't see a ton of Ohio State games. Maybe are giving him credit for. My number three is a guy we have not mentioned yet, uh, and I I am really intrigued how his pro career turns out, and that's Jelani Woods out of Virginia. Um, six, seven, and an eighth, 255 pounds. He ran a four, um, four, six, 140, and he put up 24 uh, reps on the bench he's been used almost exclusively as a blocking tight end when he was at Oklahoma State and then he went to Virginia in the transfer portal and all of a sudden he put up big numbers uh 598 yards receiving eight touchdowns 
after having less than 250 yards combined his freshman and sophomore year. Um, you know, you look at him, he's an older prospect, 23 and a half, so he'll be 24 this year. But at tight end, he's got athletic comparisons to, you know, guys like C.J. Ozuma um, and and um, Jermaine Gresham. And, and those guys had, you know, very long, um, prosperous NFL careers and are guys that that were very useful for a long time. I think Woods is going to be a, a guy like that. Yeah, I think he's a matchup problem because of his height. Uh, we saw some of that on, on the tape, and then he had a big shrine game week. You mentioned the age. He's a little bit up there. He came out of high school as a quarterback and then got moved to tight end. So that makes him a little bit interesting there. He has taken to the position. Uh, one of the athletic comps that comes up for him is going to be Jimmy Graham. So to kind of go along with the comps that you threw out there, those are high-end comps, though, and you're talking about a player who um, at, at his age, kind of a one-year late breakout in the ACC, uh, was a mid-tier bowl guy. He didn't get the senior bowl bump. And... But I do think he gained he gained the attention of, you know, certainly of, of senior bowl people. I think if he had caught more passes earlier in his career, he would have been there. So six seven long arms. He's outside my top five, but a player who um, is worthy of an early day three pick. I think in this class. Yeah, and so, you talked about you talked about how you know those are like a Uzoma is a high end comp. And, and that's 100% true. You look at it, you've got, you know, you've got good low-end comps for guys like this where they are, you know, blocking tight ends forever. And that's and that's one of the things that I look at in these things is, like, his, his uh, high-end may not be as high as a, uh, like you said, as, like, a um, Dolchich, but I think his low-end as a, as a blocking tight end you know, for eight years is, is pretty solid because he is a guy that that's all he did when he was at Oklahoma State. And uh, one of the names that came up too and right after his combine was uh, Leonard Pope, who used to play for your Cardinals, big six foot eight guy. I think he was like but, a third round pick. But he couldn't block. That was the interesting thing. <laughs> he, he didn't do much with his career either, but well, so and he also be, played for the Cardinals when they were awful. So who knows? That might be like a a low end for him. Um, so who's your four? My number four is uh, Kohler. Um, okay, I, I'm I'm with you. I think he's a guy that can come in, and I think he's kind of the forgotten man in this class. Um, super talented long good blocker um uh, you know i i just don't i don't see why he's you know not even mentioned as a guy that could be you know like we're seeing him in the fifth you know fifth and sixth round that's that's baffling to me in this class i would take him a couple rounds ahead of that i would take him in the starting around the third round um so my, my four, and this is where my Big Ten slant comes in. 
I really like, and I'll I'll, tell, I'll just group these two guys together because they're both Big Ten guys. I like Peyton Hendershot out of Indiana. He was a big-time producer with terrible quarterback play. He's a really good athlete. He's not the fastest guy, but he has spectacular agility. You can tell how athletic he is when you watch some of the tape and how they used him. Um, really strong guy. Another guy who gets a lot of a lot of reps in the blocking, in the run game, in the pass game. And uh, I think he's kind of being slept on here. You know, the comp that's that works for him is Austin Hooper. Not great. Not a great NFL tight end, but a guy who's made a lot of money uh, and certainly highly thought of for in, in some of the situations where he signed these free agent contracts. He could have had a little bit better of a time with, with Cleveland, but Hooper was a good player for Atlanta. I think Hendershot, you're going to get him on the third on day three, and he's a player who has the upside to outperform his draft slot big time. Um, not He's a little on the older side. He's already 23 uh, heading into the draft. Um, in fact, his birthday is in a few days. So, uh, but 23 is not ancient and certainly he's going to provide good value for you. The other guy I have at tight end five is Jake Ferguson. I've been following him since his redshirt freshman season. He had a great redshirt freshman year. It seemed like he should break out and big things were coming, but unfortunately for Jake Ferguson, after that first game of the 2020 season where he was, I think he scored three touchdowns of the five that Graham Mertz threw, the wheels kind of fell off the Graham Mertz train. And Jake Ferguson was one of the victims of that. But he's a good player and he has football bloodlines. He's Barry Alvarez's grandson. And his, his, uh, his, Athletic comp is favorable to Zach Ertz. So I think he's a, it's going to be lower than that. He's not going to have a Zach Ertz career. But I think you're going to see Jake Ferguson, like Peyton Hendershot, outperform his draft slots. So these are guys I'm talking about going in the fourth, late fourth, fifth round. But players who I like their potential. And that's right around where I would, where I would uh, take McBride as well. So... Again, I don't think McBride's terrible. I just think he's a little bit overrated because of the stats. And I think these other guys have been more battle-tested. And there are some of the traits that I like more with these other guys. And you mentioned a couple guys, you know, like uh, uh, for Austin Hooper, for um, uh, Atlanta. No, the name's escaping me. Oh, for uh, for Hendershot. Yeah, for Hendershot. And yeah. you, you know, on the same on the same thing, you, you have a low end of like a Jeremy Sprinkle there, who's yeah, right. Been a t- and he was a fifth end, round pick, right? And been a tight end for is still in the league, you know, for six years. Like, and then on the same wavelength for like, and this is a pretty high end, low end for um for Ferguson. But I, I do like it. It's Tyler Croft from used to play with the Bengals, with the Bills, uh, with the Jets. You know, he's been around forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, Out of Rutgers. And, yeah, yeah, that's not a bad one. And so, like, those are if those are your low ends. And Croft went in the third round, which is kind of baffling. To it's me. too high. And, I, again, I'm not advocating for any of these tight ends before round three. 
And uh, I would take the first three guys I named in the third, fourth round range. And then uh, the last two guys in the early day, early to mid day three, along with McBride, along with Jelani Woods. Like that's where those guys fall for me. So I think there's a good, pretty good group of tight ends in this class, but it's like in the middle rounds. So yeah, my, who's your my, uh, fifth? My fifth guy is Kate Otten. Um, yeah, six, he's another guy I like. Yeah, 6'5", 250. Um, you know, you, you talked about those comps, you know, you look at it, you're talking about a guy who isn't going to, in in the sense of, of like speed or anything, blow you away, but he's a guy that he works hard. Um, he's a good blocker, um, especially in the run game. I, and, and I think he's a guy that can, you know, be useful um he kind of reminds me of max williams um and max williams went in the second round which is baffling to me if you take Cade in like the fourth or fifth round i think it would be fine because he is i think he can be a dominant run blocker even though he's a little light at 250 at 250 or 247 really um he 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 is a guy that works really hard at it yeah, Otten has – he had a little bit of hype coming in to the season, but they just didn't have, again, another victim of, of scheme and quarterback play where I think that's where McBride is going to actually get drafted earlier than a lot of these guys, if not all of them, because they ran a scheme for him. And he's, like, unique in that respect because there really wasn't another guy close except for maybe Dulcich. Um, and Kohler, but even those guys had to share share the wealth with some receivers who were going to be drafted. So, and certainly with uh, in Kohler's case, with a dynamic running back who might be a first round pick. Yeah. Um, Who's your f- fifth guy? We did. We it oh, was Ferguson. Got, so okay. that's right. Yeah. Two at once. Yeah, I I did the double since uh, I was trying to sneak in all the Big Ten guys. Um, right, let's uh, let's start the opposite way. Who's your fifth receiver in this class? Okay, receiver is going to be fun because it's you know there are a couple guys I'm I'm lower on than a lot of draft Twitter and maybe even what the NFL is going to do. So my wide receiver five is Jameson Williams, and he had obviously fantastic season for Alabama. Unfortunately, it ended with an ACL tear. All indications are he's recovering from it very well. But this is a player who is reliant on speed. Anytime we have the ACL injury, we have a high risk of re-injury. And statistical odds, even for great players, are against a long NFL career. So that's something that I think we have to keep in mind with Jameson Williams. My enthusiasm is a little bit curbed with him. Uh, He's also... He's also tall and thin. That's not a, a frame that you see a lot of in the NFL. And recently, we're starting to see more receivers with that tall, taller, thinner frame. So we're going to have to see if the trends kind of start to shift. But that hasn't been an archetype that's been... You can find successful comps, but you can also find a lot of, a lot of terrible comps with that body type. So... There were a lot of names that come up when you when you uh, try and project. He didn't test, obviously, because of the ACL, but uh, there are a lot of names that come up if you try and project his speed based on what we know. We know he's a sub-4-4 four, four guy, 
we don't know too much more about his uh, athletic testing, but we know he was a guy who was a Blitnikoff finalist in the SEC and a, a dynamic return guy. So you can see all those things on tape. We know he's fast. We know he's skinny. We know he has iffy hands too. And that's something not a lot of people talk about, but he had more, uh, more drops than the other Ohio state guys who he used to be teammates with. And he did a lot of body catching and double catching, which is something that shows up on tape. One of the comps that came up for him was Andre Davis, uh, formerly Virginia tech, Cleveland Browns receiver. That's a low, that's kind of a low end comp, but Andre Davis played for some terrible Browns teams and he had some remarkable moments as a return man and as a receiver, including a 99 yard touchdown catch. So this is the type of player, Jameson Williams is going to have a, probably a better career than Andre Davis if he stays healthy, but I still think he's a little shakier of a prospect than people are admitting. So one of the, comps that comes up that i've seen that i that i like is uh mike wallace and wallace you remember was a 428 guy coming out of mississippi at uh six feet he's a little bit bigger at 199 than right he's a little more compact he's about two inches shorter and about 15 pounds 20 pounds heavier and so but i like the play style comparison. Mm-hmm. Um, another interesting one that would be a low end is Johnny Knox. Um, yeah, he came up in my search as well. Um, I think Quez Watkins came up, but he came up for a lot of these guys. Yeah, and he had and a so, good year in Philly last year. Right, and so you know, I think I think he's a guy that has a high floor in the sense that if you're fine with a guy that that ends up being a like, I think his high end and. People, I don't know if people are going to take this as a as a uh, slight at him, but I think his high end's like Deshaun Jackson. Yeah, that shouldn't be a slight at all. I mean, that would be remarkable if he has that kind of career. Yeah, uh, now I mean, Deshaun Jackson's bounced around to different teams, but he's still uh, putting up put up big numbers along the way. He's been a, a threat everywhere he goes, even to this day, you know, when he's on the field, you have to account for him. Who's your number five. So my number five in this class is Jahan Dotson. Um, you and I were talking about Dotson the other night because, you know, one of the things that I end up doing as, as this gets closer as I end up getting or trying to get information on, you know, what the Arizona Cardinals are doing. And one of the guys that they're allegedly interested in is Dotson. Um, so I talked to you, I talked to our buddy Kyle Posey about Dotson, and it's funny to get both of your takes because they're so different um, on, on Dotson. Um, but you and I talked about it. I think I think he's actually miscast as a guy that's a slot-only guy. Um, I know from the size perspective, that's what people see. But, you know, from a play style, uh, he's a guy that I think can win inside and out. Um, he, you know, I know this is a lofty comparison because he just got drafted in the top, I think 10 or whatever, but like he plays a lot like Devonte Smith did out of, out of Alabama last year. Um, and they're, you know, he's a little bit bigger. And by little bit, I mean, I think like eight pounds heavier, um, but right. <laughs> you know, but they're, they're similar size he's under one eighty though. Still. Yeah. He's one seventy eight. Um, 
you know, five five eleven, one seventy eight. Uh, Smith was six feet one seventy. You know, like you said, that that kind of uber lean uh, receiver. But Smith had a good first year in the NFL, so um, obviously that would be a high end, you know, best case scenario. The low ends are tough for for Dotson because there's not a lot of guys his size in the NFL. Um, you know, you you can see guys like KJ Hamler, who was a Penn State guy as well. Um, but I don't think he was as athletic. Um, he was he, straight line faster. Yeah, and and you know, so you look at it. One name that was intriguing but he's he's 20 pounds heavier and that makes it tough um you know when you when you're looking at this and that's why finding comparisons is really tough is um the antonio calloway who played with you guys right in cleveland yeah he he played a lot as a rookie but you know he just has had some kind of uh off the field issues and eventually wore out his welcome um, but so, it was a play, he was a player I liked a lot based on his college tape. And so you you know Callaway again, again, but he was he's twenty pounds heavier, so it just makes mm-hmm. it really difficult to find comparisons in that vein. Um, but I think Dotson, you know, if, if his low end is a Callaway, who like you said was a, a good number three receiver in Cleveland when he could get on the field and probably would have developed nicely. Um, in his career, you know, that's not a bad thing. And if he's high end and if, you know, he, he plays similar to Devontae Smith, I think you've got a good, good player. If he's close to Devontae Smith, I think you've got a good player. I'm a little lower on Dotson and it seems like a lot of people are, but I think I'm a little bit harder on this whole class than a lot of people are. I still don't think there's going to be six receivers in the first round. I think there's going to be three or four. I could be completely off base but it's I don't think it's that type of class I think there are a lot of good receivers but they're more role players and that's why when when we talked about Dotson the other day I threw out the comp to you of Eddie Royal so Eddie Royal was a day two pick I think that's where Dotson should go it seems like some mock drafters are, are starting to force him into the back end around one which it's it's fine I mean he's a good player but uh I think You've got some good tape of him winning outside against some bad corners. And then you've got a lot of uh, tape of him running running free. But he's another guy who produced despite really poor quarterback play. So yeah, our, I think, our buddy Kyle Posey said uh, that, what was it, Cl- Sean Clifford was the worst quarterback he saw all, all of last year. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's I haven't watched uh, Sean Clifford that closely, but even on the surface level, you could tell he's not really, you know, an NFL quarterback. So the fact that Dotson was really productive and broke out at a young age, I think those things are important. But I just think he's he's very small. He is not the burner that these other guys ahead of him are. I mean, he's, he's pretty close. But uh, th- I don't think he has, like, as our, our friend Matt, Carmen, Matt Harmon would say, uh, over at Yahoo Sports, a trump card. I don't think he has a big trump card. He's small. He's not a sub-4-4 guy. Um, He was productive, but they did a lot of scheme things to get him open. Uh, He's not in my top five. My number four is going to be George Pickens Jr. 
out of Georgia. And Pickens is is polarizing because he only played a few games this year. I love Pickens, and I didn't put him in my top five. I I wanted to so bad. I think he's going to be – I think if he ends up in the right spot, he he looks like a guy that could be – I know he's a little shorter, but he could be in the A.J. Green mold. He is an alpha on the field, and that's one of the things that draws me to him. You see the way he he caught that deep ball in the playoffs where uh, I think we talked about it with Emery Hunt. He laid out for that ball, and the control to get his hands under it and to roll over onto the turf to keep that ball off the, off the ground, you know, he's got – he is a professional receiver playing the college game in a scheme that doesn't favor receivers, but he made the most of his opportunities with with a quarterback that wasn't very good. Yeah. I mean, they have a a five eleven running quarterback, so it's, you have to do some projection with these guys, but the fact uh, that I'm not as bullish on this receiver class as a lot of people, I think that has me going shooting for the moon with a guy like Pickens and putting him in my top four. He's a player I would take at the back end of the first round. If you want to put a receiver into the back end of the first round, put Pickens in, not Dotson, not Traylon Burks. This guy has the juice, and I think you can comp him pretty favorably to to C.D. Lamb when you look at the body type. He's a little bit – I think they're right about the same weight. Pickens came in at 200 on his pro day, so up a few pounds from the combine. Um, he is also, he just turned 21 years old. This guy's just scratching the surface and he's, he ran a four, four, seven, less than a year off of an ACL. So you, you can see the athletic upside is there. Another guy with good lower body strength. He's an aggressive player. He's a guy who will block for you. He's a guy who will perform even if he, as, as far as we know from, at least from the Georgia situation, He's a guy who will play hard for you, even if he's not seeing a ton of targets. So that gives me some confidence. You can bring him along as a, as a number two or number three until he really turns into what I think he could be is the number one receiver on a team in the NFL. Who's your four? At number four, I have the other big guy, Drake London. Um, you know, London's a guy that I feel like when you talk about an alpha, he is, you know, that alpha, he's young. He's not even 21 yet. Um, obviously we didn't get testing numbers on him. Um, but I don't really worry about it because he and Pickens kind of went in the same vein, right? They're, they're jump ball guys, long arms, um, good hands. And like you said, they're, they're that kind of alpha that want the ball in those situations you know, I, I I'm not gonna compare him straight up, but he he, you know, a lot like a T Higgins, right? Like, um, I, and I think Higgins has shown that he was underrated coming out of, um, out of Clemson because he didn't blaze his forty. Now he went thirty third overall, but all he's done is put up just under two thousand yards and twelve touchdowns in two years. Uh, right. I think if you he, had it to do over again. T. Higgins is a first rounder, a slam dunk first rounder. And, you know, I agree with your comp here. Um, and I, I have a lot to say about London, but I'll let you finish. But, well, that's what I was going to say. I think he's a guy 
you know, that is, is I, I think he's an easy projection to the league. Um, you know, and if you're, if you're talking about, and I'm not going to say his low end is, is T Higgins, but you know, if, if that's the, if that's the scale you're on, um, you know, where your high end or sorry, your, your low end, maybe like a Corey Davis, who's been, you know, a good overdrafted with a fifth overall pick, but, you know, has been a very good player in the league, um, a solid wide receiver too for a number of years. Um, I I think that's a, I think that's a easy, like you said, that's an easy first round pick. I think he's going to end He's not Mike Evans because he's not as big, but I think he's going to end up going a little higher than we expect. So I I don't want to spoil my take on him, but I think he's one of the he's definitely going to be in my top five. Let me put it that way, and I'll come back to him. Um, I'll go to to my number three. It's Ohio State receiver Chris Olave, and um. I know there's a lot of people on on Twitter who love Olave more than Garrett Wilson. And, and Seth, you might be one of them. But I, as somebody having seen them both play over the years, I just don't agree because I think Olave is, is limited. I think he's more limited than Wilson. He is not a great run-after-the-catch player. He is a fast guy. He's a, He wins on deep routes, and I really – Love his game down the field. He is, as Joel Klatt and Gus Johnson always gushed over him, he is a smooth operator. He he runs smooth routes. He looks very fluid out there. But I've seen him get taken out of games. And I think it's going to be harder to take the guys I have ranked ahead of him out of games. And so Olave, to me, is more of a complimentary player. I, I've always viewed him as like a good wide receiver, too. And that is fine. That's great. And in fact, I still think that probably warrants a first round pick in this draft. He's one of only four guys who I would uh, in this receiver class who I would take in the in the first round. But to me, he's also a guy who I could see in a normal year. Uh, it, as we've talked about, this year is very flooded with prospects. There's a lot of guys who took advantage of the extra year. But in a normal year, I could see a, a guy like Olave going early in the second round. He's a complimentary player. I think his landing spot somewhere in the twenties, but he might get drafted higher than that. A Green Bay would be a, a good fit for him. Uh, we'll see if he lasts. I think the comp for him is Will Fuller. He's not that fast, though. He's not quite that fast, and no, he has no. better hands. Yeah, Olave's. You know, like you said, his high end is probably Will Fuller. His low ends, Kenny Stills. You know, and I th- I think Quez Watkins was another one that came up for. For Olave, I think Olave is actually a better prospect than Fuller. And Fuller was a player that I had a early day two grade on who ended up going late in the first round and a player I liked quite a bit and who's been quite successful when he's been healthy. Uh, and Olave has, has no injury flags, but neither did Fuller coming out. So it'll be interesting to see how his career pans out. Uh, really fantastic player. I just think of the Two Ohio State receivers. I think he's wide receiver two. He was kind of wide receiver two on the team, you know. In in 2020, 
when both players were playing, Garrett Wilson was the go-to guy. A lot of people think Smith and Jigbo was the go-to guy this year. That was not so much the case as that Smith and Jigba stayed on the field when Ohio State was blowing teams out and accumulated some stats that way too. So um, I think Garrett Wilson was the number one receiver on that team. Who's your number three? My number three is J-Mo. I went with Williams as the uh, number three guy in this draft. Like like we talked about, I think think he's, again, an – easy call he's a guy that's going to be in the nfl for a long time because he has a as you said that trump card of of elite speed where you know nobody's going to be able to to get him out Um, yeah the worst case for a guy like that's like a ted ginn right who sticks around forever and ever just because he runs fast right so i you know and in high end like i said his high end comp is a guy that's gonna be a Deshaun Jackson type game changer for, like you said, 15 seasons, <laughs> you know, um, maybe, maybe he's never an all pro. And that's the problem is like, people want these comps to be, Oh, he's going to be an all pro. And it's like, it's like, they don't have to be all pros. They can be, you know, five time pro bowlers. Like they don't all have to be Deandre Hopkins or, um, or Devonte Adams, like that's what everybody wants these wide receivers to be: these guys that are going to come in, put up 120 catches for, you know, 1800 yards, and and it's just like, no, that's not realistic. But if they're guys that can consistently get between 800 and 1200 yards without even blinking, then then they're guys that are really uh, impactful. Uh, my number two is probably your number one, and that's Garrett Wilson. Uh, Wilson is a guy that, you know, you talked about Olave and, and Wilson's kind of the, the other guy. He's more of an alpha. He's more of a guy that, um, wins with the ball in his hands, right? Like he's a guy with incredible after the catch ability. Uh, you look at him in the same vein as, as, you know, guys this season, you know, and, and I know people will say this is a little bit of a low end um, take, but like uh, Deontay Johnson out of out, out of Pittsburgh, you, you've seen, you know, this year he put up over 1,100 yards receiving with the corpse of Big Ben, right? Like this is a guy that can win from anywhere on the field at any time. Um, the question becomes what's his high end? Like what's his best case scenario and that's where i struggle because for his play style and everything there's not a lot of comparable type of guys right like at 511 i mean let's just call him six feet it's 511 three quarters but 183 pounds um the speed at 438 is what separates him right so he's going to be able to run away from guys on different with different angles but where you know how is he is he going to be able to hold up uh with his kind of ruggedness because he does play at a physical rate yeah he runs really hard and you wonder if the joints will hold up and we saw like uh with jameson williams running hard on a route and just blew out his knee without with contact and that's where I think people favor Olave because he's 
smooth like butter. And it doesn't seem like he's going to rip it, his ACL just running a, a comebacker like Wilson does. It seems like he's running really, really hard. Um, the comp that I've been using for him has been Santonio Holmes, uh, another former Buckeye. Because I think Holmes was another small guy who won in big ways. As a, like he played above his size. And uh, six feet, not not bad size for a receiver, but you, you alluded to the fact that he's thin. But he's got really long arms. And Wilson, did, I, I've always liked the way he attacks the ball in the air. And I've always liked, I've always favored his run after the catch ability over Olave's. He doesn't go down on contact as easily as Olave does. And I think Olave's smart to play that way because it, it's going to keep him healthy and it's going to keep him from fumbling the ball. But I just think Wilson is more of that uh, that gritty kind of hard hard nosed player. I think he's a little bit more uh, a little he plays with a little bit more toughness than Chris Olave. And I don't want anybody to think I'm saying Olave is not not a tough guy. It's just a different style play. Uh, so I'll get uh, I'll just go ahead and say now Wilson's my number one. Drake London is my number two, and. I, you know, the T. Higgins comparison, I think, is appropriate in the kind of build and speed aspect of it. But the way Drake London plays, I think, is is kind of unique because he he is a player you can give um, kind of the underneath stuff, the short stuff, uh, the screens. And he's really good after the catch. And for a player that size, you don't see a lot of that, but he's a very, he looks very agile on tape. And I think that basketball background kind of comes in into play there because as a guy who's six, four, you know, he wasn't playing power forward. He's a guy who would need to uh, know how to handle the ball and how to operate like that. And I think that gives him some extra juice when he's running after the catch. So I, I do see a, a little bit of a lot of players in him. He's not a guy I'd, I think I can comp to just one player. And that's one of the reasons I, I'm so high on him. He's one of the guys in this class, like uh, Jordan Davis, who just is so different to me that I have to move him up. So I really like Drake London. I think he's a slam dunk first round pick. I think he's kind of the player that people wish Traylon Burks was, but you have a lot more snaps of Drake London playing outside. You have Drake London producing on a team with other NFL receivers on the field. And you have Drake London producing with pretty poor quarterback play. And so when people say he can't separate, you can watch a lot of examples on tape where he has separated and he's got to wait for the Keaton Slovis uh, slow ball to come down. And he still is going to win that matchup because of his height, because of his length. Former first-round pick, Keaton Slovis. Right. You know, London, 6'4". He was 220, 219 at the combine, 213 as pro day, 33-inch arms. I don't I don't think he's a blazing fast guy, but I don't think he's any slower than Higgins was, and that was low 4.6s, high 4.5s. And when you're talking about a player this big, then the speed, it's not as important. You can win in other ways, so... Those are my top two, Garrett Wilson, Drake London. Those are two guys I think you could even take in the top 10 this year. 
uh, and I think they'll both be gone within the top 15. Yeah, my number one's Olave. Um, you know, you talked about it earlier, the smoothness, the, the effort, the effortlessness of his style. Um, I think he's just a guy that's going to come in and, and be able to play whatever role is needed from him for the team. Um, and and that is always important. Like you said, he's not quite Will Fuller in terms of speed, but he plays in a similar style um, with a low-end outcome of like a Kenny Stills. You know, again, you're talking about a guy that's going to stick around the NFL, maybe put up a couple thousand-yard seasons um, and be around for a long time. Um, you know, and I am not sure if any of these guys are all pro guys. I know everybody wants them to be, um, but I, I do see guys like – that could be, you know, long-term NFL players uh, that produce at, at a high level. And that's one thing, if you've been listening to the show for a long time, you you already know this. If you're new to the show, thank you for tuning in. But Seth and I aren't going to give you – we're not just going to throw out Hall of Fame comps every year. We're, we're trying to keep everybody's perspective realistic you know, in, in check. If there's a guy who, who we think's a Hall of Famer, we'll tell you. But I'm not sure that – I think this class, we could probably agree, has good depth to it. Obviously, they're, it's a deep pool of players. But I don't think it's like the strongest uh, class that we've seen in, in the last five years. I think it's a good class. And this group of receivers is – the receivers, I think, are one of the highlights of the class. I wanted to just throw in a couple names because we didn't talk about them, but you and I ha- have in the past. Traylon Burks, um, you know, he's outside our top five. I see a guy in the Josh Gordon without the off the field stuff like that. That's his. If he's Josh Gordon, he should go number one. <laughs> you know, if he's Josh Gordon without the off the field, he should go one. Well, I mean, he had one great year. After that, he's not been able to. But yeah, like that's what like that's his kind of high end. You know, you're talking about a guy that and he went in the now it went in the second round of the supplemental draft, but right. a, a guy in that range. Um, you know, his rookie season put up eight hundred yards. The Josh Gordon s- tested like Traylon Burks after a year long suspension on like a grass field on like a <laughs> high school grass field in the middle of July. Yeah. So and that's and that's why it's tough, man. There's not a lot of um there's not a lot of comps. People want to comp him to Debo, but I, I just don't see no. him being people Debo want to Samuel. comp him to Chenault too. And, and I think we would agree that he's a better prospect than we thought Chenault was, but we saw Jim Nagy say that that Chenault was a better prospect. What do you think of, of, and this is just from a size speed comparisons, but like, uh, the kid that got drafted out of South Carolina to the Raiders a couple of years ago. I think it's Ed, Brian Edwards. Yeah. But I mean, what he was a late round pick. He's played well. No, he, he, he went in the third. Oh, did he? Yeah. Um, that wasn't who I had mine. The guy, the comp I've been using is Dwayne Bow, but you have to, Burks has to show that he could play outside more to even be what Dwayne Bow was early in his career. Well, uh, and well, and that's was, what it, 
that's what it comes down to, man, right? Like, he's got to show that he can be an outside guy. Yeah, Bo was a good player early in his career. And Burks is a guy who, who took, like, 80-plus percent of his snaps from the slot. And you're doing a good bit of projection right here. The people that love him swear to God that he's fast. You know, yeah, just get, get him in the open field. He's fast. But it's build-up speed. We know that. Well, and it's but it's similar, like you were talking about, to, like, like you said about Josh Gordon, like we like Josh Gordon wasn't a four, three guy, but like he ran with a physicality that you saw. Um, you know, I just, I, I, the difference is I saw Gordon pull away from the new England Patriots. The way I saw Burks pull away from a day three corner on Bama. And that's supposed to be the same thing. And it's just not, you know, what Gordon did was, especially in that, in that one remarkable season where he had over 1600 yards in 14 games, that's so remarkable. I don't know that it's, (laughs) I mean, I don't even know if it's fair to, to mention Burks in, in the same vein. Anything else before we get out of here? I want to shout out Makai Polk. I tweeted about him the other day. He is in my top 10 receivers. Checking in at receiver 10. This guy led the pack. Uh, I'm sorry, led the SEC in receptions this year. Um, he's not the fastest guy. I think that's what's hurting him is that he ran a sub. He ran uh, just under a 4'6 at 459. But he's 6'3, about 200 pounds, and he is only 20 years old he'll be 21 coming up in august so this is a player i think is not getting enough love um otherwise you know we're pressed for time this week i think we will save any hot takes we have for the patreon show this week thanks for listening as always make sure you check out the patreon like we said it's two dollars a month for the extra podcast four dollars a month to get all of justin's draft work Uh, And we'll have more stuff for you there, including our defensive line and edge player rankings. Have a good night, everybody. We need to do an outro at some point. Just something kind of what I hear in other shows is where they're like, uh, you know, uh, subscribe and give us a five star review. Sign up for our Patreon. It's $2 a month for our bonus episodes, $4 a month for all additional content. Something like that. Yeah, we should work on something like that. That could be it right there. A read, yeah. That's it. Exactly.